Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast has been brought to you by Paleo Valley. They are one of my favorite companies because their products are super pure, full of incredible ingredients. And I want to tell you about their meat sticks. They have 100% grass-fed beef, pasture-raised turkey meat sticks that my family and I love. My kids love these because they have tons of flavor. They're completely free of carbs and sugar, and they have probiotics in them as well. So they're great for your gut, great for supporting your appetite, your satiety levels. They help you uh, feel satiated, and they help you burn fat for fuel. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, and preservative-free. So they are the top of the line. They've got some great flavors that you will absolutely love. And now you can use my coupon code, Jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter Jockers at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. I mean, my kids love these, my family loves these, and I know you will as well. So try them out, Paleo Valley, and I know you're gonna love them. Well, hey guys, we're gonna do this video podcast uh, a little differently than normal. Usually it's me interviewing somebody about nutrition and lifestyle or me giving a presentation on that. Today, my wife and I, Angel, my beautiful wife, if you haven't seen and met her yet, who is about six months pregnant right now. Seven. Seven, seven yep. months pregnant with our fourth child. Um, we are actually celebrating our sixth anniversary on March 7th. So uh, we thought it would be a great idea to do a video podcast where we talk about what we've learned, our journey, uh, and what we've learned over six years of being married and close to seven years of knowing each other. Right? Right. That's right. So you guys are in for a treat. We're gonna talk a little bit about how we met, we're going to talk about differences in our personality and challenges that we've had, right? So like, um, you know, areas that we disagree on and how we've learned how to adapt and grow and love each other through our differences, right? That's right. <laughs> Let's start by, um, by talking about how we met. We met, actually, believe it or not. It's not like the most romantic story everybody, that everybody wants. But we actually met on online on, on Christian Mingle, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you, why don't you, you share your, your end of it? I'll share mine. <laughs> <laughs> I 
taken a year off of dating prior to getting on the website. Um, I just, I had hit a point in my life where I'd hit a brokenness and I just wanted to refigure out who God made me apart from anybody else and just really dive into who God says I am. So I took that time out. And then when I was ready to kind of dabble with the idea of dating and that whole scene, I thought it'd be fun to just give dating a try again, to experiment and see. Uh, and I kind of wanted attention from a guy again. It's kind of hard when you don't date, you don't get any attention, right? So um, we, were in, we were in our early 30s. Yeah, and I, I, I did want to find my husband and I did want to settle down, but at the same time, I was kind of at a point in my life where I'd surrendered that desire and I was just going to see what God, what doors God opened up. Yep. Yeah, we were in our early 30s and so for my 20s, I was going through school, you know, I was in college for nine years, getting all my degrees and everything and then I graduated when I was 26, 20, just about 27 and then I started my clinic and it was in 2000, late 2008, early 2009. I couldn't get a business loan. I opened it on credit cards. I lived in my clinic. That's a whole nother story for another time. But I really spent my 20s just working around the clock between school. I, I worked all the way through school, two jobs all the way through school, and then starting my clinic, starting my business. And so by the time I hit 30, I was kind of like, I had hit a certain level of success, had a little bit more financial freedom at that point. And I was like, okay, I probably should look at like, What's next? You know, that kind of kind of idea. Yeah, I would really like to get a partner. I was, you know, I had kind of drowned out the loneliness by being super busy. And so I was like, okay, now, you know, I, w I would really like to find a partner. And, you know, I'm shy, I'm introverted. A lot of people don't know that about me. And, um, you know, I really didn't know where, where was I gonna meet somebody? I'm not the kind of person that just approaches a woman, you know, that I don't know in a, a gym or something like that. And so I went online and I uh, did online dating for a period of time. And, uh, you know, I had a three date rule where I, you know, and this to me was a way of honoring women was, you know, if I didn't feel like this is somebody that was either really interested in me or I wasn't really interested in them or um, that just wasn't the right chemistry, you know, or somebody that I couldn't see myself being married to, then um, I wasn't going to pursue it past three dates. And I think it's a really good idea for, for men in general, right? Because women tend to, really men can as well, <clears throat> but women can, can certainly um, lose their heart, right? Mm -hmm. Give their heart over to a man that's, you know, just interested in a good time and not really in a future. Yeah. And so I met Angel, um, and I had gotten frustrated with the online dating because <clears throat> I had gone on dates with probably like 12, 15 different women and you know, nobody was, was the right one. And so um, I got on a different channel. It was Christian Mingle. I was on a different one before that. And that's when I found Angel. Yeah. And then I, I had to persuade her to go out on a date with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't have to persuade me. <laughs> so I was on Christian Mingle. I think it was a three-month period that I had paid for. And I was toward the end of that three months. And I met some cool guys, but it wasn't. It wasn't the right fit for me. Um, I like it better than some of the other dating websites, by the way, because a lot of them are very secular. It's hard to find quality people, although you can, it's harder. And there's another Christian one out there that is big that they select people for you. The Christian Mingle I liked because you get to use your own discernment and read people's profiles and decide for yourself what, what feels
feels right based on what you know. So yeah, David reached out to me and I thought we hit it off nice. Yeah. Um, he used a phrase that turned me off. He said he went to a spirit-filled church. And at that time in my life, I was turned off by that. <laughs> I'm not anymore. Now I love it. But at that, at that time in my life, it kind of scared me. I didn't know what that meant. And uh, yeah, you mentioned your mom had a farm. I thought yeah. that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, and he came from a big family, and um, yeah, I loved his profile, loved what he what he had written. The funny thing, yeah. though, is I assumed you were a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. I didn't, That's right. Yeah, I didn't know you, what type of doctor you were at first, and when I found out what type of doctor, I was disappointed. Because <laughs> I wasn't one of those real doctors, yeah, right? Because that's where I was in my thinking <clears throat> at that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were very medical. Yes. Pro medical. Yes. And you had a bad experience with a chiropractor. Yes. So you didn't think highly of chiropractors. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't educated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you weren't educated. And so, you know, with Angel, I thought, you know, obviously she was drop-dead gorgeous, beautiful. <laughs> and you know what I also noticed, and this, I didn't really realize this until I started going on dates, especially with online dating, was that a woman's voice is very important to me. And some people have voices that just the tone of it I don't know, it just like almost creates more stress, right? It's like a stress <laughs> response. And she had just such a pleasant voice because we talked on the phone. And so she had such a pleasant voice. I loved her laughter and her giggles and things like that. And so I was like, wow, this is really, really, really interesting, attractive woman. And we had similar values, right? So we had values of our faith first, um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, I think that's critically important to have good values in the people that you're going to be with. Now, I, I very much valued health and she thought she did. I right? did she value just health. You valued health. Yeah. Yes. And, you, and obviously you still do. And that's why you were able to make this, I was this sort of just not aware. Change. You just um, weren't aware. Yeah. I just had yeah. a lot to learn. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, so anyways, you know, we, we went on our first date it was July 4th, 2014. So after lots of like messaging and phone. Not a lot actually, just like a, a few week. weeks, right? Was it? I think it was a few weeks. <laughs> I think it was I finally a like <laughs> persuaded her to go on a date with me. Now it was July 4th. Oh. So you didn't want to do anything in the evening. Right. You wanted to do lunch. Yes. Cause fireworks and romance, I didn't know what to expect and I didn't want him to make a move on me. And so I just said, he agreed to do lunch with me on July 4th. Yeah. yeah, so we did lunch, and, he, and it was strictly as friends, right? <laughs> Although I let him buy it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a friend, it was as friends, and so, um, so anyways, I we met, met you at a restaurant, mm -hmm. yeah, and this was a restaurant that uh, is in downtown Atlanta, and it's fairly well known, and it's got very healthy food, right? More organic, grass-fed, you know, animal products, wild-caught fish, things like that, and it's very exotic. It's like an exotic-looking Place. It's called R. Thomas, and uh, anyways, you were. This is your first time there. Yes. And it's it's if you're, it's your first time and you're not used to this, <laughs> takes you back a little bit, right? It's uh, <laughs> it's a little surprising of a place. And I was yeah. telling you about like I was saying things like, yeah, I'm gonna get this. This has grass-fed beef. <laughs> she didn't understand that term. I mean, you thought all beef were grass-fed, right? Yes. So I know what you're talking about. Yes. So my listeners know there's a difference between grain-fed and grass-fed, and we want the grass-fed beef because of better fatty acid ratios, more nutrients, things like that. So, you know, 
we'll get a little nutrition here, guys. We'll get a little, little bit for you. <laughs> but you didn't, weren't aware of that, and so I, I was starting to tell you about that. Not for long, though. Don't worry. He didn't bore me on our first day. Yeah. It was just for a couple minutes. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And how was that first date for you? So the first thing I felt was when he first saw, when David first saw me, he gave me a hug, but it didn't feel like an inappropriate hug. It wasn't, it wasn't a, I didn't feel like a trophy. Uh, it was just like a friendly hug. And he, he said, wow, you're beautiful, Angel. And that was the first thing, but it didn't feel inauthentic. I could just tell that you were, he, he felt safe. He, I felt safe in his presence and I felt like I could trust him right away. That was the first feeling that I had. And that was a great compliment to me. She didn't tell me that until a lot later, but uh, her, hearing her say that is a great compliment. That's how I want to raise my sons. When my sons go on a date with a woman, I want them, when they're like 35, you know, <laughs> when, when my sons go on a date, I want that girl to think I'm safe. I'm safe here. You know, it's a really great, great trait. So, uh, so praise God for that. And um, anyways. He prayed. He, he pulled out my chair as a yeah. chivalrous and said a prayer for a blessing. I like that leadership element. And then we just talked. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. I felt so safe that I felt like I could share my story because I'd had quite a story the year before that. Yeah. Quite a journey in my life. And I felt so safe and so comfortable that I shared my story and what I'd been through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she had hit rock bottom, so it was, you know, she was really sharing her heart. <clears throat> and then afterwards, we went out and we took a walk. And because it was during the day, we took a walk. And she took off, I think you had sandals on, because you had like, no, a, had heels. you had a dress, okay. Yeah. And you, you took off your heels. She didn't want to walk uh, with her heels, and so she was grounding, so that's like a health, <laughs> health benefits to that. So I'm like, Not oh, that's purpose. cool. And I, and I just thought, oh, she's like really free here. And this is, that was very attractive to me. I thought, you know, that's very, very attractive. And she was laughing, and just, I could tell she was having a great time, and she felt free to be herself. And, um... And I love that. You know, I had been on dates with girls that I felt like were just like holding, you know, I think there's like an awkwardness that I felt with a lot of a lot of girls that was a turnoff. Um, and I felt like she was being very, very free and open. I felt that energy and that was very, very much attractive to me. And that came because of my time off of dating. Yeah. I'm a big I'm a big advocate for people taking time off of dating. Mm -hmm. um, Obviously, every everyone's story is different, but when you have that time to just really center in on who God made you to be and just really zoom in on the love that God has for you, it can be such a confidence booster yeah. and such a freeing, so so freeing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, anyways, um, you know, we got to the third date, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was praying, and uh, the words that God gave me, and you know, God's only giving me words. It's not like I hear God's words you know, every day, maybe once a year that I hear, you know, words from God and the words he gave me were, she's my best. And, um, and so I knew that this is the right person for me to pursue. And I knew that there were, there were issues and there were going to be issues there. I mean, we were obviously, you know, in the early stages, you get all the goosebumps, right. And right. It's easy to overlook, um, weaknesses, weaknesses that people have. Right. I was kind of aware of it, but I was also love struck. So, you know, at the same time, but, you know, I knew it was going to be a journey. Uh, and I think anybody getting into a relationship, if you're not thinking that, then you are just naive. Right. Right. And, uh, and so, um, and those words that God gave me were powerful because God gave you those words about yourself. Right. I thought he was kidding at first and I didn't know how to take it when he actually told me 
Um, no, you told me after I yeah. told you my story. Yeah. That's right. And I thought you were kidding at first or making fun of me. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to think of it. When I was in my rock bottom phase the year pri- prior to that, um, right when I had just from the worldly perspective, I had nothing to offer. God gave me this word that you're my best. And so, and not in an arrogant way, not in a way that's uh, like, I think that God would say that over all of his children. And right during that time when I had nothing to offer, right, from a worldly perspective, that's when God told me I was his best. And so for David to have God share that word with him was um, like, I didn't believe him at first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard to believe, but those are the words that God gave me. God's always given me words that are like three words. It's 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 a sentence that's three words. Like when I was starting my business, he told me, so early on in my life, my early 20s, he'd give me a word. I had a broken ankle. I had all these cha- health challenges. You know, I had cer- certain challenges that were going on. And he gave me a word that was get up and walk. It was very unique because I had a broken ankle at the time, right? So it was, you know, three words, get up, walk, get up and walk. Well, I guess four words. <laughs> and then when I was starting my business and I couldn't get a loan, he gave me a word that, that was keep walking, right? And so it's these very short, powerful sentences. And again, it's not like an audible voice. It's more of just a, a pressing on my heart. And uh, yeah, and that was the pressing that God gave me on, on my heart that she's my best. And you know what that meant for me was she's my best for you. Like, this is my best. You're not going to find better than this. So it's your fault if you, you know, <laughs> if you don't move on here. Um, and so anyways, you know, we started dating and we were 32. And, um, you know, within several weeks, I knew, you know, I wanted to pursue her hand in marriage. And um, I had to get five blessings because you're, I had to get your birth father, but you were really raised by your mom, who was a single mom, but then eventually remarried, so she had a stepfather, right? When she remarried, your mom remarried when you were 13. And uh, so she had a stepfather, a birth father. She had a grandfather that was like a father figure to her, right? Her mom's father. And then she also had like an adopted grandfather, this, <laughs> this adopted uh, couple that uh, really you know, influenced her life a lot. So I, had, so I had to get a blessing from them. And then also your uncle jumped in there too, right? <laughs> so like he wanted, he was, he was protective of Angel as well. So anyways, I had to go about getting five mm-hmm. blessings uh, in that process. I wanted the old fashioned. I wanted yeah. to know, because um, I've just made mistakes along my journey and I had a, I was a little bit nervous about taking the plunge and trusting myself in this big of a commitment and so it's really nice and i just like the old-fashioned aspect of getting your father's blessing not that you yeah. need it when you're in your 30s but i just liked it i like that idea so i i wanted david to do that he wasn't he wasn't forcing that on me yeah and i you know i think it's the right thing to do for the man um again it's this idea of chivalry and honor and it displays honor to the people who have influenced you know your your girlfriend, in my in this case, it's my girlfriend's life, it displays honor. In fact, your birth father, who really hadn't been a part of your life until you know later on as you were an adult, he was in tears when I asked him because he didn't even feel like he was worthy of, you know, me asking for his blessing, right? So he was even in tears about it. I think everybody else just really felt honored, and um, you know, and, and that, and obviously your family really liked me, 
which is a great thing too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so the blessings were easy because I knew everybody really liked me a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody so. loves David. He's hard not to love. <laughs> so, anyways, with that said, um, one of our first arguments actually was when we got the ring. Right? <laughs> I've never spent money on jewelry. I've never bought jewelry in my life. And we went to, uh, you know, a place to a jeweler, right, to, to look at rings. And Angel really didn't have any money. She didn't grow up with money and she didn't have money at the time. And our parent, you know, like our, neither of our parents have any money. So I was going to pay, I had money. I was going to pay for the merit for our, our wedding, right? I was going to pay for the ring, right? All these different things. So I was thinking, and I'm, I'm definitely more, more frugal as a person in general. So I'm thinking, okay, I've got this amount of money that I can invest. We're going to have a wedding, we're going to have this. And so I'm thinking through things kind of mathematically. I'm like, okay, you know, the ring, right? What does that cost? A thousand, fifteen hundred dollars I mean, like how much is a ring, right? It's, it's a lot, but you know, that's what I was thinking in my head. So we looked at rings and <laughs> the one she liked was like, what? $5,000 or something. <laughs> And I was kind of like, just intimidated by it. And uh, yeah, we had, you know, that was, you have arguments that come up. And so in my head, I was thinking, we're already a team here. I have this amount of money. How are we gonna spend that on the ring? And she was thinking, aren't I worth this amount, <laughs> right? So that was like our first real argument. Yeah. And, um, but anyways, I think we settled in the middle there. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were in the middle there as far as how much we, how much uh, was spent on the ring, and uh, so we so I ended up proposing uh, November second. So we met July fourth. We proposed November second. This is two thousand fourteen, and uh, then we got married March seventh, two thousand fifteen. So that's when we got married, and we had a pretty big wedding at a church that we were attending at the time, and a pastor that I had been pastored by for I guess at that point like seven seven years or so. And uh, so that was really great. We had a great party there. And then we had a great honeymoon in Mexico. Um, so we enjoyed all of that. And that was a lot of fun. And then um, <clears throat> we got back home and uh, <laughs> real life set in. <laughs> and so, you know, we had certain challenges because we have a lot, our personalities are just a lot different. And we were so independent because we were in our thirties. We we're 33 at the time we got married, super independent. Um, and so we were just used to our own thing. I was an entrepreneur. I was used to, you know, working very long hours. Um, you know, I didn't need much recreational activity. I worked a lot and I realized, Hey, I need family time here too, but I just didn't realize, um, how much time would be necessary to devote to that. And that was a real big shock for me. Yeah. Yeah. And when we were dating, I saw one side where he would stay up late right mm. I, yeah so i yeah and i was usually early early to bed early to rise so when you were pursuing me in a dating yeah. relationship i saw a different side of you right. i was just asleep deprived because <laughs> <laughs> i was staying up late and i was still getting up early so then when we got home and we were married and after our honeymoon i was i was insecure because yeah i was afraid oh no now he's gonna stop pursuing me now i'm not worth it anymore now he's caught me so i was I was insecure about that at first. Yeah. yeah. So that caused some conflict. Yeah, yeah for sure. And mm -hmm. yeah, so that, that was definitely a big issue. Um, work was looked at like what I was doing for a living 
even though it was providing for us as a family, it was almost looked at as like competing with mm -hmm. her needs. And so there was clashing with that. And I was thinking, well, this is what I need to do, right? So, um, and it was part of my identity and this and that. Um, and so anyways, you know, marriage has a way of really exposing your pride. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're single, you don't necessarily realize your pride because you, nobody's calling you out on it. Yeah. And if somebody does, you usually just kind of block them out of your life, whatever it is. When you're married, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, um, you can with friends, special yeah. friendships can do that. Right. Um, but it's harder to come by and it's not as, it's not as intimate. You're not in let you know, like, yeah, you've seen me at my worst and I've seen you at yours. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Hey, I just want to take a quick moment and tell you about my new book, The Fasting Transformation. I am so excited about this book. It is a functional guide to help you burn fat, heal your body, and transform your life with intermittent and extended fasting. Fasting is the most ancient form of natural medicine. And in this book, I take you on a journey to help you understand how fasting improves your blood sugar and your insulin sensitivity, how it shuts down inflammation in your body, optimizes your hormones, turns on fat burning, and helps activate stem cells and deep cellular healing. Guys, you're gonna learn so much from this book. You can check it out, The Fasting Transformation on Amazon or on our webpage, drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. So check that out now. You guys are going to love the book. And if you have a chance, leave a review on Amazon. Thanks so much. And uh, so anyways, I mean, just some of the differences between us that were clashing, you know, I grew up, well, well, you know, a number of things. One is that uh, I'm non-confrontational and I'm, I'm an introvert and a internal processor so that means that basically when stuff happens before i really want to talk about it like if something happens in my life maybe a stressful thing or something before i talk about it i gotta process it sometimes that can take a few hours sometimes it can take a few days maybe even a few weeks before i really want to communicate about it and it's very awkward and actually it, it really um, is irritating for me when i'm start to communicate about something i haven't actually processed um, it actually is more stressful for me. Whereas a verbal processor is the opposite. Yes. You're a verbal processor. Yes. And so a verbal processor, you want to explain? When I have something stressing me out, the way that I work through it is by talking it out. And so as I talk and it comes out of me, I'm able to kind of come up with solutions. But as long as it's inside of me, I hate it. I hate yeah. it. I hate it being internalized. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So she will verbally process she sort of you know early in our relationship of course she's verbally processing things she's frustrated about and stuff like that and for me again you always think through the lens that you live your life in right so because i'm an i'm an internal processor i'm thinking she's already taken time to process this and if she is if she's confronting me about something she's frustrated about or if she's talking about something she's frustrated about it is a big deal like for me I, it's very rare that I'm ever uh, talking about something I'm upset about, right? It's, it's, it's very, very rare. It's something that I've processed, you know, and I put it out there and, and it's for like the limited amount of time, right? Because I'm just somebody that I, I don't want to speak that energy. And it's also part of being an internal processor um, and an introvert. And so she would be talking about stuff she was frustrated about. Oftentimes it was about me. Sometimes it was about other things. 
But all of it stressed me out because I'm thinking like worst case scenario, she's not happy. And for a man, when his wife or his significant other is not happy, that's really stressful. For a man, one of the, like what gives me the greatest pleasure is when she's happy. Like they're <laughs> like it brings peace to me. It's like um, it's it's you know uh, the greatest form of joy is when I see my family happy. So like even today when she starts externally processing and it's negative stuff, my stress hormones go up and I know she's externally processing. So like in my head I'm saying, well she, it's just external processing. <laughs> she just has to get it out. But in my head, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm stress hormones go up. In my head also, sometimes I'm judging her. I'm like, why is she so negative right now? Like, <laughs> I'm thinking that. And that's, you know, again, a form of pride, right? So it exposes my own sin, my own pride. Because a lot of times I'm thinking, why can't she just get over whatever it is she's getting over, <laughs> you know? And then she gets frustrated with me at times because I don't communicate. Like a lot of times... Yeah. I just will just want to be quiet. Yeah. And you'll be like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, that drives me crazy. I don't know. I think it's fine. <laughs> you know, or else just say very, very short sentences. Yeah, it's fine. I don't, I don't really care. It's, it's totally fine. And it's kind of a way of like, leave me alone. It feels like it's dismissive. I need to process. Yeah. Which it is, right? Because it's like, I don't want to talk about it. If I talk about it, then I'm going to get more stressed out. You're actually going to suck my energy out of it, if, out of me, if you, t if you make me talk about it. So please don't make me talk about this. Whereas for me, if I don't talk about things, I get stressed out. I'm the exact yeah. opposite. So for me, talking things through, whether I'm upset at you or someone else, getting it out, either t us talking it through or mm -hmm. me telling you about the other situation with someone else and I, I can get it out of me, putting it off is the worst. Yeah. Putting it off. I like relational tension is to me the highest stressor in my life whenever there's relational tension. Yeah. So we're the opposite in that. And again, you always think the way that you naturally communicate. So you think if somebody's holding something in, it's because it's actually causing more stress and more burden on them. But if they're an internal processor, then it's actually helping them resolve the issue, keeping their stress levels down. And then, you know, it'll marinate in their mind until they, you know, deal with it. Right. And then they'll start communicating about it. So, so I think a lot of couples in marriage struggle with some of the things that we're talking about yeah. or things that we'll talk about in a moment. And it's just, it's so enlightening when you have this realization yeah. and you start to understand how we're wired, how you're wired and how your partner is wired. It's so enlightening. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's so helpful and uh, it really stops arguments. It does. We can make a joke out of it. Yeah, exactly. Like an annoyed joke, but we yeah. can even tease about it now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, and that's what's so important about it. And, you know, if we do have a tiff, it's like 10 minutes later, we're like, oh, well, that's because and we're explaining why we had a disagreement because yeah. of the way that we communicate differently. We're also different in um, our love languages mm -hmm. and our needs as far True. as as that goes. And then as far as our temperaments go. Yes, because if you know the five love languages, it's it's time spent, gifts, words of affirmation, acts of service and physical touch. And so my top two, well, my, I guess my top three that I'm strong in are acts of service, physical touch, and words of affirmation. And you're also a physical touch. So it's really helpful for us because we're very, we like to be cuddly. Yeah, we're cuddly and stuff like that. That's a, e that's a really easy one for us. Except for when I'm mad. <laughs> yeah. 
And you're also a words of affirmation. Not but as you're, much as you. But you're not acts of service. And no. I'm, I'm, I'm not at all. Like, my weakest areas <laughs> are, are gifts and time spent. The time spent's my biggest. And that's your biggest. Yeah. And so time spent doesn't just mean spending time. It means giving me attention while yeah. I'm spending time. It means when I talk, you look at me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be looking at my phone or doing that something. That doesn't count. Yeah. I'm multitasking, and then I'll yeah. be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I can repeat back to her everything she just said to me. She'll be like, what did I say? And I'll repeat it back word for word. She'll be like, oh, well, I'm, I don't feel heard. Right? Yeah. Still, she doesn't feel heard because she needs that attention. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's that's also important. I think that's common in marriages as yeah. well. And when we were single, and, and really it still happens now, um, but it was a bother for you, especially early in our marriage, we would be eating dinner together, and then I would get up and I would start cleaning dishes. And I thought, well, I'm serving, I'm getting the dishes done. This is a task, I'm very task-oriented. eats a lot faster than I do. Yeah, and I'm a task-oriented person, so I'm like, oh, that's a task that needs to be done, I need to do it. And that gives me gratification, getting <laughs> tasks done. And so, so he thought he was loving me by yeah. doing that. And I was hurt by him doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I felt like, what? I'm not worthy of your time and your attention. You can't just sit here and talk to me. What the heck? Like, I felt unloved. And he thought he was loving me. And so uh, we, we think that this can be common in marriages where we just misunderstand. We think other people think like we do when they don't necessarily... And so learning how you're wired is so helpful for relationships. Yeah, that's right. Because like serving or like if I see a task that needs to be done, right, um, you know, that maybe she hasn't done that I can do, I do it. And, you know, this is a way that serving comes easy for me, whereas time spent, definitely harder. Uh, but obviously, me, I can naturally, I'm not task oriented naturally yeah. the way God's wired me. I've learned how to be, but that's not my innate way God's made me. And so... I could just sit here and talk to someone forever and and not do anything and not feel guilty about it because that's not my priority. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, whereas for me, I have conversations with people typically while I'm doing other things. <laughs> <laughs> like my best friend comes over, we work out together. So we're talking while we're tr getting our exercise in. So we're Productivity. being productive, you yeah. know, things like that. So yeah, this is, it's really been a lot that we've had to learn <clears throat> about each other <clears throat> and you're also you're also very confrontational. I'm non-confrontational. So if there's things that she's doing that are annoying to me, mm -hmm. I just think, oh, like that's annoying. But then like it just goes it goes out of my you brain. Won't say I won't say it. It's a big deal. Yeah, and it's got to be a really big deal. Whereas if I do something, if I breathe the wrong way or whatever it is, <laughs> she's like <laughs> she's confronting me about it. And she's doing it because this is how she's wired. Like if she sees something that's... I just talk. Yeah, exactly. You talk. And then for me, I'm processing it like, oh my gosh, this must be a huge deal. And then in my mind, if it doesn't add up, if I'm like, Whereas to why me, is she making a big deal out of this? And me, I just think, oh, she's being dramatic and this is crazy and stuff like that. So. Whereas to me, it's no big deal. I'm just telling you, hey, this annoys me. Right. Like, there's no big deal to it in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so, again, I think a lot of couples struggle. Deal and struggle with these types of things. And then the other thing I wanted to mention yeah. is the temperament test. Right. That's been helpful. Now, yeah. we didn't take that till a year ago. Mm -hmm. So, But I think we were already in the process of learning about what that meant. But taking the test for me really helps put things in um, a tangible way of understanding. 
There's a book called I Said This, You Heard That. It's written by a, a counselor that's been in the profession a really long time. And she wrote a temperament test, and she has a theory that there's four temperaments. Uh, let's see, caloric, phlegmatic, phlegm I don't know how to, I just know the colors. Just go with the colors. I'll go with the colors. Yeah. But there's yellow, red, blue, and green. And you take this test, and it really, I felt, was spot on. And learning how his personalities and, and gifts and passions can kind of fluctuate depending on the season of life you're in. But according to this author, temperaments are there for life. So understanding the, the, the innate way God has created you with your temperament and the needs that you have, the natural weaknesses or propensity towards weaknesses that you have and strengths that you have can really help. So in our relationship, we've taken that. We took it a few times. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So yeah. make sure we did it right. Because the first time I took it, I, I didn't take it right. I took it according to what I've learned in life, not according to how I am naturally. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, just real quick, reds tend to be drivers, <laughs> entrepreneurs, very goal-oriented types of people. Um, competitors, athletes are oftentimes red. And uh, so they're very driven, typically very, very driven, internally driven people. I'm a red. Uh, that's probably my dominant. Yellows are very fun-oriented, very people-oriented, uh, extroverts, right? And um, and that's you. You're mm -hmm. you're very much a, a yellow. And so, like reds think goal, goal. I want to accomplish goals, right? I'm task-oriented, things like that. Whereas yellows think fun, relationships, fit, you know, you know that's that's a big driver mm -hmm. for them. And then greens, I'm also a green, that's my second. Greens are very peace oriented. They need harmony and peace and they tend to be more introverted. Um, and so I'm a red green, which is a good mix because I'm very driven, but also at the same time, reds can sometimes be, you know, uh, angry and, you know, things like that, very frustrated easily. Um, and the green helps kind of balance me in that area a, a bit. Um, and then the other type is blue, right? And, and can you, you can explain blues. Uh, blues tend to be um, more introverted, more task-oriented, and um, very good at details, organization, tend to be perfectionistic, tend to be sensitive towards the needs of others, very empathetic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so you're a, you're a yellow, mm -hmm. or primarily a yellow. Yes. And I'm a, kind of a good blend of the red and the green. Right? And so Although we just, we the think author of the book says that you're not supposed to be those blends. So he's an anomaly. We can't figure I'm an out. Anomaly. <laughs> exactly. So, but anyways, you know, it's very interesting to kind of see this and then she'll, she'll say a lot of times she'll be like, I saw your red come out. Yeah. Meaning like I was too aggressive about something. Um, a lot of times with our kids, like if our <laughs> kids are not, are not obeying. I'm like, come on, you know, and I just grab them by the hand and, you know, pull them along. Right. And so, um, so sometimes my red comes out, right. Where I'm just more red dominant and you know you go through different phases and different seasons like when i was building my business i was probably super high red right and then as having a family and settling down more i'm at more green probably than the red but you know i still have kind of that balance there um so yeah that has been been really really interesting mm -hmm. so that we encourage well. you to check that out it's been yeah. really helpful for us and even in yeah. relationships with your family members your friends really helps to understand how their natural their natural tendencies and their strengths yeah. and their weaknesses. And the cool thing is, is as you mature emotionally and spiritually and find your identity in Christ, the weakness column shortens. Yeah. And it's really cool to see that happen. Yeah. Like That's yellows right. tend to be disorganized 
and yeah. they tend to be scatterbrained and forgetful and flaky. That's our weaknesses. And it's been cool to see how God's been sanctifying me in some of those ways that I'm naturally weak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And greens tend to be very indecisive and kind of slow moving and stuff yeah. like that. And so there's times where I'll be like, I don't know, like, you know, I'll just be indecisive about stuff. She'll be like, I need your red to come out. <laughs> Manifest the red, right? So, uh, so yeah, that has been really That's been helpful. big in our relationship. <clears throat> yeah. 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 So let's kind of finish off by maybe like eh, top three or five life lessons that we've learned um, in six years of marriage. Hmm. So I would say, you know, the first one is always, you know, always give her the benefit, like for me, always give her the benefit of the doubt, right? I think yeah. that's a really important one in the sense that sometimes she'll be saying things and I'm like, oh, she's just been so negative today or she, you know, like my mind will start going there. Like, why is she, you know, but I always have to remind myself, you know, give her the benefit of the doubt. She's processing. This is just something that she's working through. And, you know, this is how I can serve her so I can reframe it because I'm an acts of service. Something so rather than thinking this is such a drain on me, um, you know, listening to her or whatever it is, it's more like <laughs> this is how I can serve her because she's in she's just explaining that she has a need right now, and this is the way I can show love and serve her, and she's gonna work her she's gonna process through it um, because she's a great person she's got a great heart and uh, you know this negativity doesn't define her, mm-hmm. so I think that's an important thing. Yeah, what would you say the same? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I've said things at times that you've been very sensitive about, right? And early on in our marriage, you were very I sensitive. I think I would say the same thing: is uh, yeah. give your give your spouse the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, if they've earned it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's been exactly. huge. That's been really huge, actually. Yeah. Because there's times where my feelings and my emotions aren't congruent with what my head thinks is true like he says he loves me but yet I don't feel like he loves me um and so just kind of trying to put myself in my in his shoes that's the second thing is put yourself in their shoes try to think through their lens and their worldview and the Mm. way that they're wired that's the big that's another one huge that's a huge one right you really get to know your spouse or your significant other if you think they're just like you if if you think that they communicate just like you then you probably haven't done enough research. It's it's possible that's the case, but it's probably very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, females tend to communicate differently than males, right? And so it's, you know, and we talked about, you know, people who, you know, confrontational people, non-confrontational. We talked introvert, about extrovert. introvert, extrovert, verbal processing, uh, you know, non-verbal processing, yeah. right? And so you really need to understand and try to really know your spouse. So when they act in a certain way, if you just take a step back, take yourself out of the moment and the emotions and just say, oh, well, that's why they're doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I also think about like, okay, you were raised by a single mom. You felt rejected by your dad early on. So you're very, in, you know, like there's a natural part of you that has a wound. And that wound, it can be easily aggravated and to where you start feeling rejected. And the way you deal with that is you, you either fight, right? Or you get really depressed, right? Mm -hmm. And your initial response is to fight, right? Or to get mad. And so when you're feeling rejected by something, maybe something I said or something that happened, you wanna fight and you need to process it and you need to talk about it. 
Um, and that's just, you know, the, the, the internal wound that you have. We all have wounds, right? Yeah. And so I think that's a big factor. Like for me, my, my parents, they went bankrupt when I was growing up. And I saw my mom had to give up her Jeep, right? Uh, because they couldn't pay for it. We had to give up their dream house and all this kind of stuff. And I watched my mom crying about this. And I thought, <clears throat> I never want to have financial stress in my family. So if I ever feel like we're in financial stress, which was early on in our marriage, we're doing a lot better now. And I've also become more mature and balanced in this area. Um, but if I ever feel like that, or I feel like she's being <clears throat> not responsible financially, then I get stressed. And so, um, so that's a weak area for me that I've got to balance. Right. And so, um, over time in our marriage, you know, we've been able to communicate about these kinds of things enough to where, you know, I'll say, you know what, I shouldn't have acted like that. I was just being, that was kind of the immature me, right. Uh, that came out. You know, that was the wounded me that came out and she'll say, you know, she'll say the same thing. This is, this is the wounded little girl that, that, that came out. So, you know, the ugly side of us is actually a defense mechanism. It's trying to protect us from wounds that we've experienced early in life. And we need to know that about ourselves and we need to know it about our spouse. So that way, when stuff happens and we act defensively and, you know, the ugly side of us comes out. We can retrace and go back, oh, I understand why I reacted like that. I felt like you were being irresponsible. You know, I just felt like you were not thinking about our long-term financial security or, you know, I, I wasn't, I, you, you weren't valuing the time I needed to put into the work that I'm doing or she was, you know, she'll say, you know, you weren't thinking about how I would respond, you know, because you were so busy or whatever it was, and I felt rejected. So we're able to go back to basically retrace mm -hmm. and talk about where those wounds were. So know your know each other's wounds and what things aggravate those wounds. Mm -hmm. I think that's point. super, super important. Another good point is to know each other's needs. So, because yeah. some of our arguing has been, because I have the need for fun, and that might sound shallow on the surface, mm -hmm. but it's not. It's how God made me, and there's nothing yeah. to be ashamed of about that. I love. And vacation. it's one of the reasons why I married you. Yeah. It's a, something that makes you beautiful is your your love and desire for fun, which is not a strong desire for me. Yeah. But it's something that helps balance me, and it's right. something I love about you. But at the same time, it can also be something that irritates me right. about you. <laughs> but like, no, he knows that about me now. So at first, we'd get into arguments, for instance, because I want to have vacation. And I want to spend money on it. And that's a value of mine. And it's important to me to have those times away where you're just enjoying life. <laughs> uh, and so that's one example is he understands now that that's a value of mine. So we yeah. compromise. Like that's right. I always want to spend more money and he always <laughs> wants me to be conservative. So we usually compromise and talk that through. But now he respects that aspect of me. That's a need that I have. Yeah. And similarly, a need that you have is to feel that, like he was saying, that financial security. And so... When there's goals that I have, I've learned to not push and to also not say a bunch at one time because that makes him feel that 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 little that wound comes yeah. back. Yeah. So I think knowing each other's wounds, but also knowing each other's needs. Yeah, I think that's so important. And not judging. Yeah, exactly. Because we're just different. Yeah, and I think judgment is so natural to humanity. It, it naturally comes up in our mind when we start, you know, talking, communicating. We disagree with people we disagree with our spouse, 
you know, saying non-judgment is very important, but realize that you will judge, mm -hmm. but then also realize that that's part of your sin nature. So when that happens, it's really, God's trying to reveal to us our own sin and our own pride. So in our head, we're thinking, this person's crazy or this person, you know, <laughs> or like, they're so wrong about this yeah. and we're getting upset. We're like, I'm not feeling, my needs are not being met. And we have, you know, all of these different emotions that are coming up that are getting us upset and justifying our anger. But in that moment, what God's actually trying to do is reveal to us our own sin nature, our own depravity, our own need for Christ and the redemption that he brings. And, um, you know, and then it all, when, once we realize that, we realize, wow, right? This is an opportunity for me to die to myself yeah. and show that agape, that, you know, all-encompassing love, that unconditional love to my spouse, to my significant other, to, you know, family members or whatever it is. And uh, so always just remember, it's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to feel like, um, you're going to feel judgmental to other people, not even just your spouse. You're going to have the pride. Just try your best not to feed it, right? Try your best to have an awareness to catch it. Do your best to stop it. It's got momentum, right? In the, in the moment, it'll have momentum and it's, you know, a lot of motion behind it. Try your best to try to hit the brakes on it, right? Decelerate it and then, you know, turn it around and go back the other way. Right, and really offer yourself as a as a living sacrifice in that moment. What is that quote that you heard from Andy Stanley? Do you remember that quote, David? It was really good. It's about mm. apologizing. It reminded me. Right. Yeah, I don't remember it. Probably on the spot. I don't know, but uh, it was pretty much when yeah. you're in a moment of, of a heated argument, then you mm. um, to take ownership. Oh, right. Do you remember? This is what you say. Yeah. You say. So I gotta tell you, I'm really frustrated or I'm really mad right now because I'm not getting my way. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you say something like that. How can you say mad if someone right. says that? Exactly. That could, that's, a, that's a cute little thing that, yeah, that, he, that we like that he had said. Yeah, yeah. that's cute. Yeah. Um, it helps when you have one, uh, one of you is, is quick to apologize in the relationship. I know David's always the one that's quick to, I guess that's the green in him, but he's always the one to, Usually, I should say, usually the one to apologize first, and usually that humbles me, and then I apologize. But that's something I want to grow in is is to be quick mm -hmm. to forgive and to be quick to apologize. So that's something that is really helpful as Christians. I think that's part of our journey is to be known by our love, and part yeah, of loving is sure. forgiving. Think about the mission of Jesus, and yeah. um, he said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing." Mm -hmm. So, being a believer and a follower of Christ, a huge aspect of that. Yeah. It's forgiving. Yeah, so true. And, you know, I say all this stuff, and I'm definitely not perfect. I have a lot of issues, and it, it takes me a lot longer uh, at times to come to forgiveness uh, than others, and my pride definitely jumps out. But, you know, just having the awareness of all of this, everything that we talked about, yeah, it's life-changing. Yeah, it it is. really is. It took two people who were, you know, really broken people who had, you know, a lot of, lot of uh, you know, just junk that we brought into our marriage and have it's been able to create a wonderful amazing marriage mm -hmm. that we've grown in like I'm I'm more in love right now after 6 years and I know her better and um you know I just think that this is really what a godly 
Christ-centered marriage is like, is that we just grow together through all these things. And it really starts with the awareness of, of all the things that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have a crisis or a stressor in your life, maybe God can use that to bring you closer together. Yeah. I know with us, we got pregnant so fast. Right. And it was pretty stressful. I didn't even explain that. Yeah, we got yeah. married on March 7th. We conceived in mid-April. Yeah. Found out she was pregnant with twins. Yeah. <laughs> Found out she was pregnant with twins I did in the like work. mid-May. <laughs> And then we had our boys December 31st, that same year. So like, yeah, we yeah. we had two children, twins, and we hadn't even known each other for two years. It was like a year and a half, right? We'd only been married for nine months, right? So God used that. We had the choice. That was yeah. either going to drive us apart right. or drive us together. And uh, thankfully, we were able to, that really helped because we had the first couple months of marriage. It was, it was terrible. Tough. Yeah, we had. <laughs> it was like fighting every day. Yeah, exactly. It seemed like it. That's it was for terrible. Sure. Yeah. It was so right, terrible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I got pregnant, something snapped and God yeah. used that to draw us together. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So if you have a hardship in your life, I pray that you can use yes. that to, uh, to draw near That's to right. each other and to persevere through that. That's right. The, the quote is, adversity can either make you or break you. Mm -hmm. And for us, it made us, yes. right? It brought us together. We were a team. I think that was really when you started to see each other, us as a team. Yeah. Right. Rather than kind of two individuals yes. trying to get our needs met. Yes. And I think that's so valuable. Yes. So hopefully, guys, this has been really uh, great for you guys. And uh, we can do this every year, right, for our anniversary. And those of you who have been married a lot longer than us, maybe. Yeah. What? I'm sure we have lots to learn. I'm sure we do. We don't yeah. have teenagers yet, but we True. do have three kids. We had one time three under three. Yep. Lots of diapers. <laughs> you know, three young kids. Now we'll have four. Four. Four and five years. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, you know, we... You know, when you're not sleeping well, that's another, that whole, adds a whole other layer, right? Because you have babies, so that adds a whole other layer to everything. But, uh, you know, I would just tell you guys, if we can do it, you can. you can do it. Yeah. Okay. And you can do it because Christ can do it through you. So, you know, if you just surrender your life to him and on a daily basis, then, uh, you know, I, I believe that uh, your marriage will flourish and I believe your life will, will flourish as well and that. You know, he's got great and amazing things in store for you. Things beyond anything we can think, dream, or, or, you know, even imagine. And I don't say that in like a prosperity gospel way. I say that just in a way that things that will shock us, you know, it's not like we're all going to get rich and stuff. It's more like just the way that he's going to communicate through us, use us, and, uh, and, you know, just make a difference in people's lives and humanity as a whole. Uh, we'll, at the end of our lives, we'll look back and say, wow, that was a life worth lived. That was a great life. Beautifully said. All right, give this a thumbs up. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe and hit that little bell if you want to be notified when future videos come out. All right, guys, be blessed. We'll see you in a future video or podcast. God bless. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.